There's a principle that's found in the Bible that carries over into every aspect of life, and it's the principle of sowing and reaping. What we put in, we sow. What we what we what we put in, what we sow, we get out. We reap. Sowing and reaping, and it's true whether it's good or bad. If we put in the good, if we live a good life, if we live according to the Scripture, if we live God's word, there's blessing. But we live bad, and in other words, living according to the flesh, we reap discipline. And that's a truth. That that's basically the results of how we live is what we sow. This evening, as we're continuing, of course. We're seeing God's description of himself to Moses. It's really, really powerful. And I think it's at this issue, this very last aspect is God dealing with sin. God punishes sin. We go, what in the world are we talking about? There's a consequence to how we live. Last time we saw who God is, we began to see that God is a God who forgives sin. And we spent that time last week, and we went through that, and we saw a lot of good things. But this evening, we're going to see the principle of sowing and reaping. And as we continue, Moses is on top of the mountain, Mount Sinai. He's been getting the, he's going to get the Ten Commandments from God. While he's there, he said, I, I requested to see the glory of God. And God passed by. In fact, if you look at chapter, Exodus 34, verse 6, it says, Then the Lord passed by in front of him. This is what God told him. This is what he's going to do. He's going to see God. And we see the character of God. And so as we looked at Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, we see how God describes himself. Now, there are actually eight things. Look at the verse. Look what it says in verse 6. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, gracious, or excuse me, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquities, transgressions, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. Now, this next part's hard. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. If you look at those verses, we saw eight Eight aspects, eight aspects of the character of God, and here's what they are. He is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, abounding in truth. He keeps his loving kindness to thousands. He forgives sins, and he punishes sins. This evening, we're going to see the last one. And we're going to look at the characteristic that God deals with sin in our lives. And we think about the truth of sowing and reaping. Now, let me break down this little passage. We're going to start basically at 34, verse 7, and go through verse 11. So we've got the eighth aspect, God punishes sin, 34, verse 7. Then we're going to see Moses' response to God's glory. He worships God, 34, verse 8. And then we're going to see Moses' request and God's promises. And we see the covenant, the miracles, and the land. And we'll see how all that ties together. There's so much. Well, let's start with a brief review. What we've seen is God describing himself to Moses, and it's really amazing. Amazing. And so look what we've seen. We've seen that God is compassionate. What does that mean? It, it, bottom line is the father to, to, is to children, so God cares about every one of us, cares about every aspect of our lives. Then we say God is a God of grace. He deals with us in grace. He doesn't give us what we deserve. If we deserve, got what we deserve, we separate from God forever, but he bases how he deals with us on grace. He's slow to anger. That's an amazing thing because that means he... he 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 doesn't get and in the way we would look at it he doesn't get mad easy he has what they call a long fuse but the truth is he's poured out his anger already on his son Jesus Christ it's amazing it says he's abounding in loving kindness the word loving kindness is is that Hebrew word chesed and it means a loyal love an unchanging love it's a love that he loves us completely for all time then it says he is over abounding in truth and the idea of truth there has an idea of faithfulness truth and faithfulness God is faithful and true what he does what he says, he always does. Then it says, keeps his loving kindness to thousands. We talked about that last week, and it means that his love extends to all people. 
to all people. God so loved the world. It's powerful. And then the one we saw last week is he forgives sins, which I love that when you think about it. He's already paid for all sin. But forgiveness comes by faith. When a person believes in Jesus Christ as Savior, they receive the forgiveness of sins. And we can have a fellowship and relationship with him. Now, there's one more, and this is the last one, and we put it up this way. God punishes sin. Now, he is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and and, uh, abounding in loving kindness and truth and keeps his loving kindness to thousands, forgives iniquity, sins, and transgressions, and then... He punishes sin. That's the truth. He forgives sin, and at the same time, he deals with sin. And we're going to see how that fits together. As we think about this, there are three things I want you to look at. Number one, that sins are paid for. When Jesus Christ came, he died on the cross. He paid for the sins of the entire world, First Peter 3.18. Christ died for our sins once for all, the just for the unjust, to bring us to God. You know, having to put to death in the spirit made alive, and to put to death in the flesh made alive in the spirit. So Christ died for us, the just for the unjust, to bring us to God. All sins are paid for. First John 2, 2 is the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. So sin is paid for in every human being, past, present, future. Sins are forgiven by faith in Jesus Christ. Acts 13, 38, I think it's Acts 10, 43 is also a verse that, that there is a forgiveness of sins by faith. The third truth that we're going to see as we go through this is that sin, sins have consequences. God deals with sin, punishes sins. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. I think that's the, if you flip over to the next, there it is. Sin has consequences. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. Why does God, uh, why do the sins have consequences? Well, because as God's children, they're there when we uh, who have eternal life and our sins all paid for and we have total forgiveness of sins in our relationship. But what about as we go through life, sometimes we sin and there are consequences. I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12. Just flip over there. It's almost to the very back of, of the Bible, First and Second Timothy, Titus. And then you get to Hebrews. And look at Hebrews chapter 12. I just want you to see one little section of Hebrews chapter 12. And we see what, in a sense, what God does. And it's a great truth. I've got for you Hebrews 12. We're going to see verses 6 and 7. So I hope, are you over there? Everybody there? Mostly there? Over Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 says, For whom, for those whom the Lord loves, he does what? Disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Now, the first aspect, when you look through that, the word discipline doesn't necessarily mean like you did something wrong or punishment in some way, but it's the idea of to train up. But then it says he scourges every son he receives. There is an idea that God disciplines and loves every child. Then look at verse 7. He says, it is for discipline that you endure. What? God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? He's saying, just as, a, as an earthly father deals and disciplines his own children, so God deals the same thing with us. Look down at verse 10. For they, our, our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he, our heavenly father, disciplines first for our own good that we may share his holiness. Watch verse 11. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. It's not, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, those who go through it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So our Heavenly Father loves us. He deals with us. Sometimes He just he trains us and trains us up, but sometimes He, he scourges us. 
And so why would God deal with us in that way? Why would God punish sin? Why would God deal with sin in his children? Because he loves us. He loves us more than we can imagine. He doesn't want us to be out of fellowship. We know that when we believe in Jesus Christ, we have the forgiveness of sins in our relationship. But sometimes we sin in our fellowship, and we're out of fellowship, and we need to confess our sin and deal with it and get back in fellowship. And sometimes God deals with sin. Now listen to this. I want to read this to you. And if you want to, you can go back to Exodus 34. But listen to this. This is found in Psalm 119. Now most of you know Psalm 119 is a real long psalm. But listen to this. Psalm 119, verse 67. Listen to what it says. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. What is he meaning? When when he went astray, that's what he was doing, and then he got afflicted, punished, disciplined, and so he came back to do what is right. Listen to this, verse 71 of, of Psalm 119. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. It's good that God dealt with me so that I can learn the word of God. Now, let me, let's think a minute. Why in the world would God want to discipline us or deal with sin in that way? What happens when we sin? Here's some things. There's, first of all, a loss of fellowship with God and others. When we have sin in our lives, it breaks fellowship with God. It breaks fellowship with others. And that's what it does. And so here we are going through life. We get sin in our lives. And not only is our fellowship broken with God, but our fellowship was broken with fellow believers. Second, there is discipline because God deals with us. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every child he receives. God disciplines his children. So that means when there's, con- when there's sin in our life, there's most likely going to be some kind of consequences. Third, there is the loss of rewards because when we're out of fellowship, and not serving, we're not gaining rewards. So as we go through life, and if we're out of fellowship, we're losing out on the opportunities to gain rewards. There's a fourth consequence, and that is it is a loss of testimony. When believers sin, we lose our testimony and ability to proclaim Jesus Christ to others. So when we sin, and we've got sin in our life, and people see that, some people look at that and say, I, I don't listen to them. I don't, you know, and so that hurts us. And then last but not least, and we're going to see this more in just a second, that it affects others. Our sin affects other people. When we do things that are wrong, when we, uh, when we say things, do things, it, it's consequences that hurt other people. And so we do not sin in a vacuum. What we do will affect others. It's just a, a truth. And, and in Exodus 34, look what it says. Look at verse 7. He says, Who keeps his loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquities, translation sin. Here it is. Yet will he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. That means he deals with sin. Watch what he says. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Now, what does that mean? It literally means passing down. The word visiting means passing down. And what he's, he's not saying he punishes children and grandchildren for somebody else's sin. But what he says is the consequences of those sins affects other people. And we all know that. Uh, we all know that what, what we do may affect our children and our grandchildren. Because it's never in a vacuum. We affect others. The sins of the fathers go to the children and grandchildren. Think about this. When a person is, is an alcoholic and, and, and wrecks their life, it, it wrecks their family's life, and maybe their, their, their children's children, and, and there's divorce and sexual abuse and lying. When people lie, it affects others and other people. When people break the law and they go to prison, it doesn't just affect them. It affects their family and their family to come, all of those kind of things. So what we do will have an effect on our own family and those who come after us. 
God does not want us to sin. It affects us. He says, listen, he is a God who is gracious. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love, abounding in truth. His loving kindness is for all people. He, he forgives sin, but he also deals with sin. Deals with sin. He doesn't leave the guilty unpunished, and it goes, and it, and it touches lives around him. So realize this. What, what is God like? Compassionate. Gracious, slow to anger, loving, faithful, extends his love, forgives sin, punishes sin. That is how God describes himself to Moses. If you said, I would like to know what God is like, you could go to right here and say, this is what God is like. God is a God of compassion, grace, slow to anger, love, truth, loves all, forgives sins. Deals with sins. This is how he describes himself. He is our Heavenly Father who loves every person, who eternally cares about everything in our lives, dealing with us in grace, and forgives and punishes sin. There, there is no one, no thing, nothing like God. So we could say, wow, that's, that's God. That's, wow, if we look at this, Moses said, I want to see you, I want to see you. And he said, you can't see me live, but I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock and then I'm going to pass by. And so the Lord passed by in front of him and he said, you want to see what I'm like? He's the Lord, YHW8, if you notice in verse 6, all capitals, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's the personal name of God. The Lord, the Lord God. And then he says, Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, forgives iniquities, transgressions, sins, and leaves no one unpunished in that sense. Wow. Wouldn't it be great if you could take some time? What what did you have thought about maybe this summer for one of your quiet times or for a quiet time for about eight days? Why don't you take one morning, every morning, take one of these characteristics that God reveals himself and say, okay, I'm going to do the whole, all my quiet time today is on God compassion, his compassion. And see if I can find verses where I can look up when I think about God being compassionate. Then I'm, I'm going to talk about God being gracious. Then I'm going to talk about God being slow to anger. And then I'm going to, so you could do that. Now, how did Moses respond to all this? How did Moses respond to this? He bowed down to worship. His response to God was to worship him. Look what, look what he says there. Uh, Verse 8, Moses made haste to bow low toward the earth and worship. Moses bowed down. His response to God was to worship God. That's what he did. This is the key in our lives. Our response to God is to worship him, who he is and what he's done. And, and sometimes we get confused. People realize that the word worship it comes from an old English word to show worth to something. It's showing that something is special, something is great. That to worship God is to respond to him. And I always say we respond to him for who he is and what he has done. Think about it. Who he is, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, loving, faithful. What he has done, keeps on loving, forgives sin, punishes sin. I mean, you can break it up different ways. I just how I broke it up. But we respond to God for who he is and what he has done. We gather this evening for what reason? To worship God. We've come together to look at the Bible. It's not just a Bible study. It's the fact that we've come together to look at look at the truths about our God and to respond to who he is and what he's done. We, we call it a worship service or a time in which we come together. Sometimes, like a Sunday morning or a Sunday night, sometimes we have singing and praying and giving and applying. All of those are acts of worship. And so it's an act of worship tonight that as we say, God, we see you in your word. You have revealed yourself to us. Now, watch what 
Moses does. Now, you remember that the nation of Israel sinned, and they got themselves in trouble, and they made the golden calf, and they've done all these things. And God is God at one time even said to Moses, you can just go ahead, and I'm not going to be with you, and I'm not going to be in the middle of you. I'll be out to the side, and I can just send you on around. And Moses said, I don't want you. I don't want, we don't want that. We don't want that. So watch now, after Moses sees God, sees his character, bow down, what did Moses say? Moses makes a request. Be in fellowship with us, God. Be with us. Notice, he said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, I pray, let the Lord go along in our midst. Go with us, even though the people are so obstinate. We're, we're bad. And pardon our iniquity and our sins and take us as your own possession. He said, If I've, if I've, found, uh, if I've found favor, what I want you to do is go with us. Be in the middle of us. Don't be out to the side of us. Be in the middle of us. I know that we're obstinate. Even though we're obstinate, even though we, we, we're the way we are, pardon us. Pardon our sin. Forgive our iniquity and sin. Take us as your own possession. The word obstinate means hard-headed. He said we're hard-headed, and that's the way we are as people. We're hard-headed. We do stuff all the time, and we go, I don't know why I'm doing that, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not doing that. I'm, well, I'm, somebody wants you to do that. I'm not doing that. Why? Why not? I'm not, you know, hard-headed. Now, after seeing God, Moses wants to be with him. And for God to be with him, and we're going to see what God says, and it has three parts to it. God's going to talk about the covenant, the miracles, and the land. Watch. Verse 10, we see the covenant. Then God said, Behold, I'm going to make a covenant. Now, what covenant is he talking about? He's going to make a covenant with you. I'll make a covenant with you, and that is the law. And see, he he made a covenant with Abraham a long time ago, and he made the Palestinian covenant, and and later on he's going to make a Davidic covenant. But right here, here is a the what we call the Mosaic covenant that God made with Moses. We call it the law. God says, "I am going to make a covenant." This will be the law, the statutes, the ordinances live by as they as it represents God. But then there's more. He said, I will perform miracles. Look, I will perform miracles. Notice, before all your people, I will perform miracles which have not been produced in all the earth, nor among any of the nations, or among all the people whom you live will see the workings of the Lord, for it is a fearful thing that I'm going to perform with you. What's he going to do? You remember what he's going to do first? I mean, I mean, it does all kind of things, but when they actually get ready to go in to the land with this covenant that he's made for them, and of course, the covenant was amazing and everything, but as he gets ready to go in the land, he's going to part the Jordan River. They're going to take the Ark of the Covenant, the priest, he says, take the Ark of the Covenant, everybody hold it, you know, the priests are holding it. He says, I want you all to walk into the river. The river's, the river's at flood stage. And it says, as soon as their feet touch the water, the water quit. It, it quit all the way back up about a mile back at a place called Adam. And suddenly, this was dry land. And the priest came down, stood in the riverbed, and everybody passed over. That's a miracle. They could say, that's pretty much like that Red Sea thing that they talked about, all right? And then, they're going to walk around the city, and they're going to shout real loud, and the walls are going to all fall down. And we'd go, that's not possible. It is possible. That's what he said. And then we're going to see that little bitty armies of the Israelites beat giant armies of the enemies. Those are all miracles. They and the other nations will see the power and wonder of God. There's the third thing 
that he's going to do for them, and that's in verse 11. He's going to talk about the land. Look, be sure to observe what I am commanding you this day. Behold, I'm going to drive out the Amorite before you and the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. He said, I'm going to drive these people out of this land, the land that I promised you. Remember, he promised promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and he's promised them that land. It's called the promised land. They went down in Egypt with Joseph. Now they're coming back, and they're going back to the promised land, the land that God promised them. And he said, observe what I'm doing. I'm I'm going to drive out these peoples, Amorite, Canaanite, Hittite, uh, Prevazite, Hivite, and Jebusite. I'm going to move them all out. I'm going to give you this land. Long time ago, when Abraham was there, God said... uh, Look around. Take whatever steps you take. This is going to be the land that I'm going to give you and your descendants. He will give them the land promised to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. He, and, and, and it's a powerful thing. He says, be sure to observe what I'm commanding you this day. Well, he says, you've got to live by the covenant. What's the covenant? Which one is it? Which one is it? It's the Mosaic Law. That's what he's fixing to give them on top of that mountain. It's a, it's a law to set this people group. Now, if you remember, God chose Abraham, and then he chose Isaac, and then he chose Jacob, and then he chose Joseph, and they all went down into Egypt, and they went down with 75 people, and they come out later, 2 million, 600 and something thousand men, fighting men, not counting women and children. We pick our 2 million people easily. They come out. This is a people group now, not a family. And so he says, I'm going to give you a law. I'm going to give you... Uh, things to live by, way to live, way to represent me, way to have a relationship and fellowship with me in all of these different things. And really, not a, not a relationship. Relationships by faith of fellowship comes mostly through the law and the obedience there. I will drive out these people, and he will give them that land. What have we seen? The character of God. The character of God. The eight aspects. And what we saw tonight, when we see the character of God, is those eight aspects. And one of them tonight, of course, is that God deals with sin. We've seen that Moses responds to, to worship God and, and his request for God to go with him. And then we see God's answer. And God says, I'm going to give you a covenant. I'm going to do the miracles. I'm going to give you the land. So let me give you some applications. The first one is, let's worship our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. We, we look at this. Our response to the character of God is to worship Him. And as those who belong to Jesus Christ, we have trusted in Him as Savior, we get to worship Him. Who is He? He is compassionate and gracious and patient and loving and faithful. What does He do? He loves all people forever and He forgives and punishes sin. That's who God is. God says, I give you the forgiveness of sin by faith. God says that when you as my child do wrong, there will be consequences. As we come together... Even tonight, we focus on Him as our Savior and respond to Him as we, as we pray and, and, and as we study the Bible and as we apply the Word of God. Make a priority to know Him. And maybe, maybe a challenge could be for this summer, maybe. Think about it. And you think about summer being eight to ten weeks or longer, whatever. What if every week, one, one week, you looked at the Lord as compassionate? A whole week, not just one day. And then the next week, gracious and the next week slow to anger and over the summer you saw the character of god boy that's pretty amazing when you think about it uh aw tozer said we are called to an everlasting preoccupation with god god wants us to worship him he doesn't need it it's for our our benefit i mean think about that god says worship me i I don't need it you need it 
And that's really true. The second thing is realize the consequences of sin. Sin has consequences. God loves us. He's going to deal with sin in our lives. Think what sin does. Think of the consequences. It breaks our fellowship with God. He bring, it brings discipline. We lose rewards. It's a loss of our testimony. And it affects other people. So it has those kind of consequences. The third thing. Trust God to keep his promises. God told Moses, I'm making a covenant. I'm going to do the miracles. I'm going to give you the land. And God says to us, I give you eternal life. God says you can do all things through the one who's, you know, who strengthens you. That's that's our Savior. We, we, we can do this. We can do that. Be not deceived. God is not. Over and over and over, he has things that he says, here are my promises to you, and we trust him. He will do what he says, rest in his promises for our God always does what he says is powerful. So, may we worship our God and Savior, knowing that he keeps his promises, and may we realize the principle of sowing and reaping in our lives. That's some hard stuff. Now, let's pray. And if you have questions or comments or anything, we'll just do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, when we think about the passage, Lord, and what we've been seeing over the weeks, we've we've seen your character. And so I pray, Lord, that each one of us might spend some time, either this summer or a week or a couple of days or whatever, and maybe think about your character. Maybe even memorize the passage, uh, the verses 6 and 7, so we can think about what you were like. And so we want to worship you. We want to realize who you are. We want to realize that you're a compassionate and gracious and patient and loving, faithful God who loves all people, who forgives sin, punishes sin. May we never forget all that and and never take it for granted. So worship you for who you are and what you've done. Lord, we realize that when we sin... It, there, have, there are consequences and that it breaks our fellowship with you and that you discipline us and that there's a loss of rewards and, and we, it affects our testimony and, and it even affects other people, Lord. And we don't want to live in such a way that what we do hurts other people as well. So we want to, to live righteously and godly. And then finally, Lord, just trust you that whatever you say you do, thank you, Lord, that every promise that you've ever made that applies to us we can count on that you are you we are fully persuaded that whatever you say you whatever you promise you are able to do thank you lord for these truths we ask this in jesus name amen